Thank you for making Locked On Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's show, Brian Cashman had some things to say about his future with the Yankees and what the Yankees need to do this winter to get better. Hal Steinbrenner talked about the same thing. And Shohei Otani won the AL MVP, which isn't too surprising, but some of the reactions to his win have been. All this next on Locked On Yankees. You are Locked On Yankees, your daily New York Yankees podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone. It's Friday, November 19th. We're less than a week away from Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? And you are listening or watching the latest episode of Locked On Yankees. I'm joined by Abby Mastracco, my co-host. Abby, tell everyone where they can find you, because I always forget to do this when I lead off the show. On Twitter? Anywhere. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. Do I want to be found? Um <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Abby Mastrocco, the uh, complicated Italian last. That's A-B-B-E-Y because my parents thought they were being cool and naming me after Abby Road. Nobody's spelled my name right since. Um, I also report for Bleacher Report and um, Elite Prospects Rinkside. So if you're interested in hockey, um, definitely check out Elite Prospects Rinkside. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. So um I don't know. Just yell. You can just yell for me and you can find me that way. I, I'll, I'll appear somewhere, you know. <laughs> because I used to do this whole spiel about myself. And then once we started doing YouTube, I completely forgot. So if you're watching this for the first time, I'm Stacey Gossulius. I've written for Baseball Prospectus, The Hardball Times. I, I call myself a lapsed baseball writer slash podcast host because I haven't written about baseball regularly in three years. It's been a while, but that's where you can find my old stuff. And, you know, just Google me, you'll find some stuff. <laughs> Mostly okay stuff. Thank goodness. Um, yeah. <laughs> nothing too terrible. Um, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher. You can catch us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Yankees. And it does work. I've tried it with my um, smart device that I'm not going to name because if I say her name, she'll respond to me and that happened to me a couple of times while recording the podcast which is really funny because you you just forget and uh even um i was watching an old degrassi high episode and someone said her name out loud because there was a character with her name and she went off so you got to be careful with that thing or <laughs> change its name to not that female name because yeah she just answers everything so brian cashman slept outside last night he does this he's done this 11 times now for um, raising awareness for homeless teens, which is really nice of him to do. Last night was an interesting night weather-wise because it started off warmer and then got a little colder. And, you know, at least he had the lunar eclipse to look at while yeah. he was lying there. But apparently his phone was ringing all night, but he had some things to say to the reporters who were gathered there. And the, the thing that cracks me up about Brian Cashman is... I just love the way he answers questions. Like you can't really get any sense of anything from his face. Yeah, it's GM speak. You say a lot without saying anything. Yeah. And I have the worst poker face of all time. You you know, people will be talking to me on the show and sometimes I forget a camera's on me and I'll be like, mm -hmm. 
So it's just bad. So he's the complete opposite of me. And it's great. I love it. Um, So he spoke about his future with the Yankees because uh, basically 2022 was his walk year. Um, And he said, I have a contract for this year for future years. It's always been that way since I've been with the Yanks. And yeah, he's been with the Yankees for a really long time. Um, longer than some of you have been alive. He says, so that's nothing new and there's nothing I can do to change that. So ultimately my job is to do a good job. And if I don't do a good job, then they'll have decisions to make. So we'll see what happens. If they haven't gotten rid of Brian Cashman by now. <laughs> they're not going to just, I don't think they're going to fire the guy. No, he's, he's been with the team so long and accomplished so much with this team that what they would do is they would give him the opportunity to be like a, a it's some sort of like, maybe not team president because they have a team president, but right. some sort of like restructuring of the, gesture. yes. Like yeah. they would give him an opportunity to take another role with the organization. Maybe it's president of baseball operations. Maybe it's not anything like that. Maybe it's just a name on a masthead and that's it. But they're not just going to fire the guy if they don't win the world series this year. Like he's been with the organization for a long time. There's a lot of respect there on both ends. They're not going to just, you know, oust him. Right. So any Yankee fans who think that they can do that or will do that, it's not happening because there are some people out there who think that it's a possibility. And it's, I mean, it's really not. Oh, and of course. I can and they see like sit there and they like to point, they like to say George. They, I see them tweeting at Lindsay Adler all the time. <laughs> just the word, just the name, George, just George. Yeah. It's a different, different day and age. It's a different time. And also Cashman's there. Cashman's going to be, if, if look, if they do fire Cashman, I know the Mets just hired Billy Epler, but like, what's to say that the Mets aren't just going to snap him up as the president of baseball operations across town? Because right. we know the Mets want a president of baseball operations, despite the fact that Sandy Alderson said today, we're fine. We're fine without, without one right now. <laughs> they went for the best and brightest talents. And Steve Cohen swung for the fences and he, he, he struck out. But um, look, they let Cashman go. What's to keep what's to keep somebody from like the Mets or like the Red Sox from snapping him up? You know, there's going to be so if if he is not the general manager, there's going to be some opportunities for him within the organization. There's right. too much respect on both sides to just kick him to the curb. Right. Yeah, he's definitely one of those. He's definitely a Yankee lifer. He'll always yeah. be yeah. around. And I mean, it is amazing how long he's lasted because um I think oh, I read something earlier that he has more tenure by like 11 years than the next closest GM because <laughs> he's been around for so long. I mean, he became GM in 1998, which mm-hmm. when you think about how long ago that is and everything that they accomplished since then. And I know people will say they haven't won since 09. They haven't been there since 09. We know. You know, it's it's much harder to even make the playoffs these days, even with the wild card, because how many good teams this year were left out? I mean, it came right up until the end of the Blue Jays. They could have possibly gone on a, the Mariners. Like, yeah. It's a lot. Even with the expanded wild card, it's so much harder to make the playoffs than it was before. Right. You can't. It's not just about it used to be that if you had the highest payroll, you probably had the best players and you could make the playoffs that way. Right. There's the level of talent is so much higher now and there are so many good players it's so it's the it's just it's not the same it's not what it was in the 90s when you could just go load up on a bunch of big bats and big contracts and spend money and get to the world series even that look even the dodgers who did win the world series last year with the highest payroll in baseball they've done it very carefully and they have done it mostly through 
drafting, development, um, supplementing with free, big free agent contracts when needed and investing resources into analytics, scouting. They're not just grabbing all the best players just to grab them. It's, right. it's so much different than it used to be. And it's so much more difficult to get to the top. Now, speaking of getting to the top, uh, the Yankees need to make some changes in order to get back to the top. Uh, the biggest discussion so far this offseason is what they'll do for shortstop. Now, Cashman said yesterday, shortstop is an area that we feel we need to address. How that gets addressed remains to be seen. Will it be in a big way, a small way, an acceptable way? We'll see. Will it be obvious? Will it be subtle? Time will tell. That is GM such GM speak. GM speak. <laughs> GM speak, baby. Yeah, I mean, I know that there are people who are concerned that uh, the two shortstops in the system, um, Oswald Perez and Anthony Volpe, is I don't know if it's Volpe or Volpe. I hope it's Volpe. I think it's Volpe. Volpe, yeah. Okay. Um, I know there are concerns that, you know, where are you going to put them in a couple of years if you've got Carlos Correa signed to a six, eight-year deal? Uh, that shouldn't really be a concern because you can find roles for them and you cannot, there's so, okay. People fall in love. Fans fall in love with prospects in such a strange way. I have seen this so many times where fans are like, we don't need this five time all-star. We've got a 20 year old coming up through AAA. How do you, you cannot replicate a World Series win and that much playoff experience and an elite. You cannot count on Oswald Perez to be Carlos Correa in two years. Right. You can't say that you don't need a player like Carlos. Every team needs a player like Carlos Correa in order to win. You cannot use those two guys as an excuse to not go for it for a big area of need. Now, will they scale back? That could be a possibility. Instead of going for the gold with Seager or Correa, do they maybe try and get like semi in on like a two, three year deal? I don't know that semi even is, I don't know that he would want that at this point with the season that he just had last year. He merits a bigger contract than that, but right. he's a little bit older. Um, Javi Baez, maybe he, he, maybe you could get him on a shorter term deal and, uh, you know, try and recreate some magic with Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I just, maybe you sort of go in another, you get creative about it, knowing that those guys that like, their ETA is 2023, 2024. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't solve the problem next year. You can't say that, like, you don't need a shortstop next year because you might have two really good shortstops coming in two years. You don't know when they're going to be ready. Development is a nonlinear process, and it is an inexact science. So I've said it for two weeks now. Go for the gold with Correa, but there could be other options. I understand that. Now, I mentioned at the top of the show that we're very close to Thanksgiving and Built Bar is all about Thanksgiving now. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert and you can feast on something delicious and feel good about it. Now, one slice of pie has upwards of 300 calories. That's on the low end. And most Built Bars have 130 calories with only four grams of sugar and plenty of protein. So replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar or go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of raspberry pie. There's lots of good flavors to replace any pie. They're low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% chocolate. They have new surprises all month. 
they have a surprise there today. So go to the website. I'm telling you that I'm kind of going rogue. They have limited time flavors arriving at built.com regularly. So check the site often again, check today. There's nothing like a built bar black Friday, mark your calendar for next week. Black Friday will be a big event with all sorts of surprises. So go to built.com, use our promo code lock 15. You'll get 15% off on your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Now, one more thing that Brian Cashman talked about was adding more coaches. Yeah. Um, Look, the Yankees need all the coaching that they can get. After watching some of the stuff that happened last season, get nine coaches for every infield, outfielder, (laughs) everyone. Just get for every position. Every position should have a coach. Seriously, though. Um, Three pitching coaches, three hitting coaches. What do you yeah. think? That's pretty much industry standard these days. Yeah. They, a few years ago, that wasn't the case. A few years ago, you had one pitching coach and maybe you had a couple hitting coaches. Like you had a, your, you know, like roving guy or you had your main hitting coach and then a guy who would sort of work with maybe some of the younger players or something. Is your, your hitting coach, he's working with guys on a day-to-day basis, but he's also sort of in charge of implementing like the foundational philosophies mm-hmm. throughout the club. Um, and then you've got people who – from him take that down to those hitting philosophies down to the minor leagues uh so everybody's on the same page once they get up to the major leagues so it, it is a lot of work for a hitting coach to implement a lot of these things and having assistant coaches who are able to work sort of one-on-one with players in the cages or out you know um in the bullpen it's it's very beneficial uh that's pretty much industry standard i uh, the last few years i have been surprised to not see that they haven't had that many coaches considering that's what everybody else is doing these days. And usually the Yankees are the ones setting the trends. So yeah, it's, I mean, I think especially with some of these younger kids that they, I guess you can't even call Toros and Andujar kids anymore, but um, you know, we saw them struggle to sort of take the next step these last few years and having some extra one-on-one time from hitting coaches is not going to be a bad thing. Right. And even the some of the more veteran guys may have some help coming their way because there were a lot of guys that underperformed in 2021. The Yankees were lucky to finish where they did. They were so up and down. We joked about this on the crossover on yesterday's episode about 2021 that the Yankee season was kind of like a giga coaster, which those are the ones that have like 300 foot drops. Those are really like scary coasters. And it was basically like that. I mean, you had Good weeks, bad weeks, the 13-game winning streak, then the first half of September was horrible. And a lot of the guys were like that. You had – Judge was pretty consistent. Um, Judge Stanton, and Stanton were pretty consistent. Yeah, but um, Sanchez it, was not. Torres was not. Um, LeMahieu was not. You know, there were some guys falling off, some guys going up, and just they could not get everything together for a long enough period for them to kind of pull away or even catch up to the race. So um, – Torres, I think once they moved him, well, I mean, I know once they moved him to second base, he, yeah. when, he when, when you have a young player, I mean, this really goes for players at any age. Um, perfect example. A few years ago, I was talking to Terry Collins about how they had to move um, Jay Bruce to first base for a couple games. And Jay Bruce was, uh, he didn't really want to do it, but he, he did it. He he had a good attitude about it. Everybody knew he didn't really want to play first base, but he wasn't going to sit there and complain about it because um, he's a veteran and he's a professional. But he was also the best hitter on the team at the time. And Terry looked over to me and he said, 
The last thing that you want to do is make your best hitter uncomfortable. And guess what I just had to do? <laughs> I have to make my best hitter uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Moving Labor Torres over to second base helped him get a lot more. Co- he was he's a lot more comfortable on the defensive side of the ball, and that carries over sure. when you're at the plate. Oh, it, sure. It really, if you bobble, if you boot a ball, and and you're you don't have a short enough memory, you're going to get to the plate and you're going to be uncomfortable. You're still going to be rattled. I've, I've talked to a lot of guys about this. It really does carry over sometimes, especially as a younger guy. Maybe like a Brett Gardner can just shake that off because he's been doing this for years, but it, it sticks with you when you're a younger player, especially somebody like like Torres, who's in the spotlight as you know one of these more prominent baby bombers. He's a, supposed to be a franchise player, and he's been struggling to take the next step. So moving him over to second, his the hitting his performance at the plate very much improved. So now how can they make everybody else more comfortable defensively to get them going? Right. Lemayhu doesn't have an excuse, but, you know, the hernia, maybe he'll be better next year. But now that the hernia is taken care of, um, uh, yeah, I, I think that three hitting coaches and three pitching coaches is about – what you need these days to be able to get everybody attention. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from, from guys who come up from triple uh, a who aren't there for very long, who say like, I don't really know what I did wrong. I, I can look at it and analyze it myself, but the pitching coach is with the ACE that day. And he, and he's not a priority player. If you have more coaches around, then you can get those guys who like, before they go back to triple a, then they know what they need to work on in triple a. And I'm not saying that this is like indicative of how the Yankees run things. I'm saying I'm using this as an example of how other organ, how minor league players have expressed to me the frustration of one pitching coach on one team. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense for a younger player to be affected by. And you see it with veteran players, too, sometimes that if their defense isn't so great, it carries over into the offensive side because it's all it's all connected. I mean, if you watch baseball long enough, you see how sometimes there it depends on your makeup. It depends on how you um, think and what your mental makeup is. You know, like everyone's different. And, you know, it could be a veteran player who has stuff like that happen to him, too. And it's amazing to me that some baseball fans don't get that. <laughs> you know, when you watch enough baseball, you kind of figure that out. And it's just kind of strange to me that some people were not understanding Glaber's some of Glaber's issues this season and then just seeing the difference when he went over to second base and then thinking to yourself why did it take them so long I mean it was September 13th that's a long time for them to be like yeah let's just stick him at shortstop it's fine well there was um I can't remember which game it was but it was that last series against the Rays he had a really good defensive stop he had like a little spinning catch that he made look very easy it was a a sneaky good play and then he hit a single on his next at bat like that's a perfect example of if you're feeling good on one side of the ball it's going to carry over to the next yep i actually pictured the play because i know exactly which one you're talking about i want to say it was like the last game when they were struggling i mean they were struggling to get offense throughout that that series but i want to say it was the last game when like the yankees really needed a hit and he made a nice little spinning catch um, or spinning throw. Uh, and then Oh, that's right. And it prevented the Rays from even mm-hmm. doing anything in order to score. That's right. Because that was a 0-0 game. That was and just. He had, he had a base hit in his next at bat. Yeah. It makes a difference. It really does. Yeah. Now, we were going to go into Hal Steinbrenner's comments, but there are too many here to talk about. And 
you know, we'll just talk about, he said some things about, um, look, he sits on a labor policy committee. Yes. And they're attempting to negotiate the new CBA with the Players Association before December 1st. Um, he said, we have full two full weeks. And like we said, meetings are continuous. A lot is being discussed. Um, so there were discussions about a possible salary floor. Um, you and I spoke about this before we started recording. I am so for the, the salary floor. Yeah. I think that a lot of teams are getting away with um, tanking and not spending money and just being bad. And it's not good for baseball. It's not, I feel bad for the fans of teams that have to sit through games yeah. with, you know, half a roster. You don't even know who any of these guys are because they're not paying them any money because they're nobodies. And, you know, like teams like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has like the best ballpark in baseball and you're putting out a crap product for how many years? And it's like, no, you have to do something. And we, we also said this, and we've said this a couple of times, not every team is the Rays, not every team is the A's. And we're seeing the A's are blowing things up, tearing things down and yeah. going to start over again. I just, yeah, I agree with the salary floor. I don't understand luxury tax stuff, but we'll talk about that in segment three because we have to talk about bet online because bet online is back and better than ever and let's see there's more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for basketball and football and everything else their new updated desktop or mobile uh, website just go there sign up Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and use our promo code locked on to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Thank you again for making Locked on Yankees your first listen every day. We're free and available on all platforms. So let's get into this just briefly because uh, you had said that um, you know more about this stuff than I do. Like A little bit. It's so yeah. because I also cover hockey, sometimes I get like contract terms mixed up or even like inevitably they'll be like, I will, the beginning of hockey season, instead of writing salary cap at least once or twice, I will write luxury tax <laughs> and, or even like... Um, you know, on hockey, it's injured reserve. Baseball, it's the injured list. I'll do the same thing. And, like, same thing happens once baseball season rolls around in the spring and I'm knee-deep in hockey. I will write salary cap instead of luxury tax. Like, it just it, – it happens. Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to cram so much information into my head that, like, other things fall out the other side. Uh, yeah. So, the Yankees are going to go past the luxury tax it, just based on their payroll alone right now. Or at least they will most likely go, go past the luxury tax. Hal talks about wanting to maybe lower the luxury tax, which might, I don't know that that doesn't act as, the, right now what we're seeing is the luxury tax is acting as a hard cap. There are very few teams that are going over the luxury tax and just blowing past it, like the Dodgers are basically the only one right now. Fans were so upset this year when the Yankees wouldn't go past it. Um, the Mets are probably going to go past it next season because they're loading up there. They've got a new G at their, they are trying to, you know, erase their past and start over with like a more functional future. We'll see how that works out. I don't know that lowering it is going to necessarily incentivize people to go over it. The only thing that's going to forever, this has always been marketed as a way to level the playing field. And it's not because there's nothing to entice these teams at the bottom 
to spend. You get rewarded for almost not spending, especially if you're the A's and the Rays and you can contend without spending. And then you've also got ballpark issues to, to deal with. So it's not like those teams, like, yes, we point to them as being sort of like exceptions to the rule because they're, they're really good most years. They're competitive, but they've got other, they've got other stuff to deal with. It's not like these are the most, you know, like these, this is, these are organizations to be making examples of. Um, we need a salary floor. If you're yeah. going to lower the luxury tax, you need a floor. You need to entice these teams to to spend a little bit more. And you're always going to get teams that kind of tank. I mean, you do you get teams that tank even in salary cap leagues too. I see it all the time in the NHL. The Red Wings have been tanking for a couple years to try and build back up. The Arizona Coyotes, I'm not sure when they're not tanking. Um, but you, there's always going to be these teams that do tank. But it is a little bit more of an incentive to not tank. Now I like, I'm not going to get into like the revenue sharing and all of that. We don't have that much time. It's also very boring sometimes to talk about. And I would like want to have notes in front of me to like, make sure I'm covering my bases and like not giving factually incorrect information. It's, it's difficult to digest sometimes, but the bottom line is that if you want to, if you want to prevent tanking, you got to, you've got to have a salary floor and how's how, comments are interesting because they're the Yankees. They're supposed to be able to just blow past the luxury tax, but he's on that labor board with seven or six other owners. The only other large market owner is John Henry, owner of Fenway Sports Group. So it's all other, it's always other, all these other mid-market and like small market owners who are saying, here's how we, here's what we need in order to compete. I guess that's a lower luxury tax. I don't, I still don't know that it would necessarily, it's not going to fix any, it's not going to fix anything unless there's a salary floor. Right. One, you need one with the other. You really do. Yeah. Now you had mentioned the whole ballpark issues with the A's and the Rays. And it's true because the A's, I think the A's were playing the Yankees that series in August. And there was one game, maybe the Thursday night game where they only had like 9,000 people. And I know yeah. no one really wants to go to Oakland, but you know, they no, were. Oakland's great. I love Oakland. Definitely go to Oakland. Oakland is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not the players like to complain about it because, you know, I remember one time there's been a, a couple times. Ballpark, and it's in a terrible location. But the, right. the, the location that they like to build the new ballpark is great. Um, and it's they've redone the whole Oakland waterfront. Like Jack London Square is now like a nice place to hang out more so than it used to be when I was growing up two hours away from there. We didn't go, we didn't go to Oakland all that much, but like <laughs> I have a lot, I mean, I grew up in Northern California. I have a lot of friends who live in the Bay area and a lot of them tended to migrate out of San Francisco and into Oakland in recent years, sort of like, you know, living here in the city, I've migrated to Brooklyn. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a terrible ballpark. It is not fit for any pro team right now. And it's in a bad location. And they want the city to pay for a brand new one because they don't even like it that the small these small market teams aren't really doing themselves any favors by any owner in professional sports right now crying poor in the in, in this economy in, yeah that's not a good look no that's not gonna buy you any fan goodwill and the a's have done some cool things they bring in food trucks for their fans um they've made like a cool little ballpark not village area but like they've done some cool things in recent years but like the coolest thing you can do is pay your players and win a world series and they just cycle them in and out of oakland and same with tampa and now they both now both of these teams have ballpark issues 
So well, the whole Tampa thing with them wanting to hang that banner, basically uh, promoting the fact that they were going to split the season in Tampa and Montreal during yeah. a playoff run. What are you thinking? <laughs> what do you do? like? It's bad enough that no one goes because the ballpark is not in Tampa. In case you don't know, it's in St. Petersburg and which is beautiful, but right. The, but it's the, a pain the, in the ass to get to. Yes. And like the, the, um, the football stadium is in Tampa. The, the hockey rink, I've spent so much time at that hockey rink. It's right downtown in like the channel side district. Sure. There aren't a lot of people who live there, but it is like a cool entertainment area. Um, there's lots of bars and restaurants. You can like take your little water taxis and you can eat right outside on the water. Like put, put one near there, put one near Raymond James, something like that to yeah. get fa- to entice fans to, but the Yankees probably wouldn't let that happen, right? Because their spring train, you know, Yankee spring training is right across Dale Mabry from, you can see the football stadium from Steinbrenner Field. Like there's probably a yes, whole. Yes, but I believe they don't. I, I could be wrong. Maybe I shouldn't say this, but I don't think the Yankees have territorial rights to the Tampa market. Right. Well, that's makes sense. Yeah. I, I could be wrong though. Um, I don't think they have the territory. Cause I was talking to somebody who works for the lightning about this a few years ago, because there was sort of a feasibility study done to see if they could put a ballpark downtown near um, the hockey, near the hockey rink. And they had looked at a site also near um, the football stadium. I don't know how deep into any of this, like any of the planning ever got. All I was told was there were impact studies being looked at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I would love for, the Rays to not ever play again in the trop because I can't stand that stadium just watching it on TV and you know the catwalks and the lights and the stuff that interferes and you know power outages and just I'm always afraid that Oakland Coliseum too you flush the wrong toilet and you get sewage (laughs) in the entire thing I mean it's ridiculous that's what I was going to say earlier because I know that there's been a couple times the Yankees have been there and there have been sewage issues in the visiting clubhouse so yeah now we were going to talk about Shohei Otani we don't really have much time but I'm not shocked. He was unanimous. Everyone was talking about him being MVP as far back as May. I mean, who, no one would have not voted for him to be, I mean, we haven't seen a pitcher slash player hitter since, you know, it's been a hundred years and he's good at both. It's not like he's Angel's best pitcher last year. Yeah. It's not like he's a great hitter and an okay pitcher. He's good at both. He's good at base running. He's, you know, he can shag balls in, in the outfield. He's, yeah, he's a good outfielder when they actually play him in the outfield, but you it's almost like a liability to play him in the it's like he's defensively he's a really good outfielder. Yeah. But it's almost like a liability because you don't want him to blow his arm out in the outfield. But at the same time, the Angels have said, you know, we're not gonna put restrictions on him. We're not using pitch counts. And I was listening to Perry Manasi and the GM talk um the other night after they announced the Noah Syndergaard deal too. And he said he doesn't believe in pitch restrictions because uh he has seen pitchers get hurt on pitch counts and he has seen pitchers get hurt not on pitch counts and he's seen pitchers stay perfectly healthy without pitch counts so he doesn't believe in restricting that I I sort of wondered if that philosophy I didn't ask this question at the time because I didn't know that it was like timely they were talking about Noah Syndergaard in particular so I didn't want to raise my hand in a zoom and be like off topic how do you feel that way about Shohei Otani I I sort of (laughs) wonder if that philosophy also extends to um Otani and not putting any restrictions on him position wise. Like if he wants to play the outfield, could he play the outfield a couple games a week? Um, if that's what he wants and if that's what his body is capable of doing. So I sort of wonder if Manasian's like, 
I don't believe in pitch count, pitch restrictions thing extends to Otani and the outfielder. I mean, probably not, but I don't know. It was, it was something that I was wondering while I was watching. (laughs) And it was just, you know, I mean, there were a bunch of guys who had the seasons of their lives and they just happened to have them at the same time as Shohei Otani. You had Vlad Jr. You even had Sal Perez out in Kansas city. Who the hell would have thought he would have had that many home runs, Marcus Simeon. So they just ran into bad luck there, but they all had really good seasons. But Otani is just a step He's, above or a yeah. step ahead of everyone. You know, I think Vlad's gonna Vlad Jr. is gonna win it at some point. He's what twenty two. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's a baby. They're, they're... I don't even want to think about what I was doing at twenty one. But um, <laughs> right. He's gonna win it at some point. Oh yeah. It's this was such a remarkable year for Otani that it, there's there was no way that he wasn't there's no he, he, there was no way that he wasn't going to right. and Vlad's got a lot of years left in him and he's going to compete with MVPs he's going to compete Shohei Otani's going to compete with his own teammate he's going to compete with Mike Trout um and that's going to be a really fun race to watch moving forward but it just for what he accomplished this year to pitch as many innings and as well as he did and hit like he did. I mean, the Angels, unfortunately, did not make the playoffs again. But, um, <laughs> you know, there were some injuries that happened there. Uh, there were – it was not solely on, you know, you lose Mike Trout. You don't really have much of a pitching staff. Right. It, it, um, but they were – they were hanging around as long as they could. Yeah. And they did have some really competitive games down the stretch. That series against the Yankees in August when I was out there watching them, um, they played really well against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And that was when the Yankees were also playing very well. So uh, it's it's going to be a really fun race to watch moving forward. I just don't think that there was any other real candidate this year. Mm-mm. No. And yeah, the whole Trout not playing thing also, that would have been such a... God, that would have been such a fun race with him doing it too. That's just uh, when you think about how good he's been since he came up, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, Trout's been a while uh, around a while now, you know, people don't realize that it's been so long since he's come up and he's just money, you know, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. The addition of Syndergaard, see if they do anything else also uh, during this time. If they, I think they're going to other... invest in some more pitching. Yeah. They need, they need to. I, well, and, and Perry Manazian talked about that last night. Yeah, um, I was not on. I was not on Noah Syndergaard's press conference today because it was at the exact same time as Billy Epler's press conference. I don't like. Literally, both of them were at twelve thirty Eastern. I don't. Unbelievably, like comically petty. You gotta love the Mets. Oh my God, <laughs> I just. I thought the whole. I thought that was so fun. I like, and somebody, somebody texted me and was like. Hey, why didn't the Mets just think to trade Noah Syndergaard for Billy Epler two years ago? <laughs> right, right. Like, dumb joke, but, like, I just I have to laugh at the whole situation. Like, both of them scheduled at the exact same time. That's funny. So, uh, today, Rule 5 stuff is happening. We'll talk about that next week. We'll see who the Yankees protected, who they didn't protect. Um An hour to go until the deadline. Yeah, and... To our listeners and viewers, because Thanksgiving is coming up, I would like for you to either comment on YouTube or tweet us at Locked On Yankees. Uh, things you're thankful for with regards to the Yankees. 
We'll see. Maybe you'll have something to be thankful for right before Thanksgiving hits, but you never know. I mean, we'll see. So that's it for this episode of Locked On Yankees, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to remind you that you can listen to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can watch and subscribe to us on YouTube. And when you get into your car, you can tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Bets. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. One more thing, if you could be so kind, please rate the podcast and spread the word about this podcast to your fellow Yankee fans. We would really appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. 